Hey, welcome back to Late Night with Larry. And tonight we're going to talk about 80s rock. That's something that's near and dear to us. Uh, I'm a prodigy of the 80s. Uh, That's my generation. Had the best music, at least I believe so. What do you think, Vince? Oh, man, it was great. We grew up in it, and I'm a product of the 80s. You know, it's all about excess and having a good fucking time. And, you know, on that note, since we're talking about 80s music and all the excess and the debauchery and all the crazy shit, I'm going to have a little beer while we're talking about that. How about that? Hey, that sounds good to me. Chug away, man. Chug away. And it looks like you're drinking Coors Light over there. Man, I love this Coors Light because... It's good. It's just good. It goes down smooth. And, you know, we're here in uh, New Mexico. They have these microbreweries that pop up everywhere. And they have all this fucking crazy beer now. And, you know, it tastes good, but it's strong as fuck. It's like, to me, it's like hangover in a glass, though. It it is. It is. And... You know, when I drink beer, I do drink the Coors Light too. But I'm I'm a wine drinker. I, mm-hmm. I like why no? I like Merlot. Yes, I'm I'm a wino. Yes, he is Merlot the magician. That's right. So speaking of debauchery and drinking, we're gonna get it on with some of the bands and uh, one of the drinking bands that I know who drank all the time would be Molly Crew. Molly Crew is one of the most famous. They're just fucking. Their antics was they were off the wall. They're just but you know what they had some of the best music and the the content of the music they had a good beat they had great musicians and the lyrics it was something we could all relate to and i think that's why they were so big i think so and you're right i mean and we'll dissect a couple of just the crew songs so when i was in high school i remember i was maybe a sophomore and the too fast for love cd came out yes and i i saw that you know we're growing up in the 80s you know the reagan era and nancy Ray don't just say no to drugs but when i saw the album cover and it had the picture of the leather pants and the little pentagram I was like, holy shit, these these guys got to be wild. Yes, I remember I was in mid-school when I was first introduced to that on cassette. Right. And now just, it fucking blew me away. They had a great sound. And uh, they they were trying to do the punk thing, but they kind of created a whole new era. You know, they some people call it glam, hair metal. They, they call it arena rock, whatever, but... To me, it's it was good rock and roll, and with through the decades and the times, rock and roll it does change, but it's still rock and roll. Right, and I I remember just hearing the opening of the album, that guitar. They had such a different sound, you know, uh, too fast, too fast for love, baby. I'm like, I was blown away by that album. It just it was something that I said I want to be part of this. Yes, and that that kind of opened up a whole can of worms for us as far as rock and roll and because we we uh even to go back a little further we were into kiss right we we that was our first concert kiss back in the day our dad took us uh it was i was young i was seven i don't remember the details if we begged them or what but i remember him and my uncle they took us and our cousins and it was just a fucking mind-blowing experience and from that day i remember i'm like holy shit there's something to this rock and roll music yeah i was a little older and yeah we did beg them we said hey we want to go see kiss they're coming to albuquerque you know and and they did take us i think i was 11 it was 1976 so 
Yeah, I was. Yeah, we don't have to give away how okay, old well, we really yeah, are. That's but. that's right. That's right. Now, uh, yeah, but I remember. Yeah, and we we looked forward to going to that concert. We got there when those lights went out and Kiss hit the stage. I was like, this shit is magical. Yes, and and any of you have seen Kiss, you know it's it. They do. They have some great music, but it's they're such good entertainers. Their fucking stage show was always on point. It's just great. Yeah, that it, it was, and you know, and we're, we're just Detroit Rock City would come on. But I remember when they when Peter Chris sang Beth, it was like that whole stadium just got quiet, and I was like, yeah. From that moment on, ladies. I wanted to be a rock star. Oh, yeah. I think we all did, you know. Everyone secretly wants to be a rock star, you know. And uh, that's what really got me interested in wanting to learn to play the guitar. But back to the crew. I mean, that first album, Too Fast for Love, you know, had some of the greatest songs that just, like, sucked me in. Yes. And and then they came out with the second album, which was even fucking better to me anyway. Shout at the devil. Right. That was it was heavier. It was more in your face. It definitely was. And they they were basically telling the conservatives of the 80s, fuck you. Right. You know, the, the the video with they're like, oh, they're all satanic and da-da-da. Yeah, well, it was just some wild-ass motherfuckers having right. a good time. Basically, they were going to do it on their terms, right. and it fucking worked for them. Well, in that opening, you know, where they plugged the 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 voice were for uh, Shout at the Devil. You in know? the beginning. Yep, in the beginning. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that album would just took it to a whole different level and, and not to get off track here but it's funny because if if you remember reading the dirt uh when nikki six was talking about writing shout at the devil it was going to be uh it was going to be called shout with the devil right but then he started having some paranormal experiences that freaked him out right so that's why they changed it to shout at the devil right he's like no way maybe i better not do that yeah yeah, yeah that's a, crazy it's a, it's a little dark so. yeah and, and not to get off subject but uh the the dirt and the heroin diaries man Nikki Six has been through some shit and, yeah. and not only growing up once he was successful he continued to put himself through some shit he's lucky to be alive he is I mean look he's 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 overdosed what twice yeah died twice died twice I'm like you know it's like you're like a cat you better count your lives because you're you're spending them quicker than you can buy them I guess right so, right right but anyway they were so such great musicians and I mean we've seen them live several times several times you know yeah, we've seen Vince Neil uh, solo several times we've right. seen 6am they're yeah. just you know what they're, they're a great bunch of guys they, they're fucking they bring it uh, but they have the I don't know. It's like a cocktail when they're together. They're the best, I believe. It is, you know, and and we're not talking. They're not like the best uh, musicians as far as like the guitar playing. It's not all structured and and I guess you would call it by theory and learned. It's just playing from the heart. You know, Mick Mars just goes out there and he's, right. he's a fucking great guitar player. You know, I, he's he's not a graduate from the Berklee School of Music, and I'm not saying that there's you know something wrong with graduating from berkeley i mean if i could have i would have but exactly but just the way they it's the chemistry that's it and you could have 
like some of the four best musicians in the world and they come together and if they don't click it, it ain't gonna be good That's but true, these yeah. guys I mean Vince Neil uh, I mean I'm not trying to take anything away from him he's fucking he kills it in the studio live Vince Neil likes to party he likes to get fucked up you know that he's he's not the best vocalist but something about those four when they get together and make music it's fucking badass it, it's magical it yeah. is and that's why they've sold millions of albums they sell out tours worldwide right and that's it's chemistry they they got it yep and got yep it. and we saw the dirt the dirt was great i mean they left out a lot from the book but you know you can only do so much in two hours yeah and and back to the album shot at the devil you know that album those songs just reinforced it why i wanted to be a rock star right. and you know too young to fall in love and and you know we saw the videos on mtv and that even reinforced it more it's like these, yep. these guys are badass you know one of my favorite songs uh was off the shout at the devil record and i don't know it's maybe because i'm a pig or whatever it's 10 seconds to love you know that Right. Kind of model my life after that, you know. Right, right. Was no? Was that on shot? That was on. Uh, no, that was on shot at, at the devil. Yeah, I was thinking that was on too fast for love. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, but and then the third album, fucking Doctor Feelgood. No, 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 no. The, the third album was uh, Theater of Pain. Theater of Pain. Remember, that's right. Vince that's right. went through his thing, and they kind of cleaned up their image. Yeah, and you know why I, I, I went to. Dr. Feelgood because Theater Pain kind of was, wasn't their best album. Right. Did you ever see uh, Eddie Trunk when he in, uh, interviewed Vince Neil? He asked Vince Neil, what is your least favorite Motley Crue album? And he told him, and you can't say the one you weren't on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Vince Neil said uh, it was uh, Theater of Pain because he felt that a lot of the, the content was weak. It's just that they had uh, Smoking in the Boys Room and, and girl, uh, uh, Home Sweet Home that carried it. Right. And 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 he's right cuz you know what that wasn't I bought the album but it wasn't my best. You know what but I there there was some songs man I loved on there like uh louder than hell. Yeah, it was but here's my thing. You hear too fast for love, you hear shout out the devil. Right. I said, "Okay, now you got corp corporate America in your ear wanting you to get radio play so it kind of they watered down the sound a and, little and that bit. was a lot of it and that was like almost the pinnacle when they were getting fucking drunk fucked up every night doing drugs right. so they, they did what they were told I think at that time right and even though it's not their strongest album it still sold it still sold and then after that came girls 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 uh, yeah th that one I said now here comes the energy again right and, and, and that was really good yeah and uh, th that was actually a, a precursor to, to doc, uh, Dr. Feelgood because that was quite a successful tour quite a successful album and then Dr. Feelgood came out I believe that was their most successful album in tour well that I, I think that that album's what really grabbed me and well no no girls 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 because I, I was like oh here we go cruise back but see I, I was a true crew fan since I I heard the first track off Too Fast for Love well I've always been a crew fan too and you know but they're like there were times where I was like oh where, where are they going but most of their albums they're just badass the bass line on Dr. Feelgood Nikki yeah. Six killed it 
that just that opened that boom boom oh but, man but by that point they had all matured not only musically but in their lives and a lot of the drug abuse was i think at that point trying to put it behind them and stuff right. and they were, they were focus more on the music well, you and know, you could tell they were growing up they they were all getting married having well families. yeah and, and you know when they're younger they have all that money thrown at them we, uh, we would have probably done the same thing i'd probably been dead yeah true true that <laughs> yep. i would have been dead whiskey and whores whiskey yep, and whores exactly <laughs> but now but they they are they're one of the all-time greatest bands and, and then they they made some more albums uh it, it's hard to repeat the success they've had on Dr. Feelgood, but they made a few albums. They were good. They're good. They did some solo stuff. And, of course, they did the, the Motley Crue album without Vince Neil. Right. And there's a lot of mixed emotion on that. And I listened to it from... I tried not to judge, you know, with or without Vince Neil, and it's some good music. Now, if they would have said uh, maybe like a Nikki Six side program or side project, it would have done a lot better. Right. But people, it was billed as Motley Crue, and uh, you just can't take Vince Neil out of the mix. See, and, and I'll be honest, the albums that didn't have Vince Neil in the mix, I didn't buy them. I mean, I still heard the songs, and I thought, oh, this is good music. But right. I did because I was just a fan of Nikki Six, and like I said, it was good music. John Karabi, he's he's great. Yeah, right. But uh, a lot of the fans, they didn't want it without Vince Neil. All right, and that, and that was me because I, right. I I thought no, the the magic was with these. But then eventually Vince Neil came back, and eventually they came out with Saints of Los Angeles. Yes, and that was just fucking killer. That and that is correct. I heard that song Saints of Los Angeles, and I'm like, yeah, these guys are. Yeah, and we've I don't bad. know we probably can't even count the times we've seen Motley Crue live. No, no, I know, I know. So if you're hearing, you know, you guys could kick us some albums, some swag, you know. Or shit, just give us a shout out. That's right. Yeah, that that'd be good enough for me, man. Okay, yeah. not not to. Uh take away from the Motley Crue but the, of course I was growing up that was my favorite band but there was so many good 80s bands uh, another one up there for me was Rat and re remember back in the day we would buy Hit Parade or Magazine right so that was always a battle who's the best Rat or Motley Crue Rat Grange Magazine right no and you're right I mean I bought all the Rat albums and uh, Rat was a solid band they were solid Warren D. Martini on that guitar I was and Bobby Blotzer was a hell of a drummer. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not trying to take anything away from any of them. They were all great. Right. And, and that's the thing. The 80s was just so full of great musicians, you know? And, you great know, bands. 80s was a decade of decadence, excess, over the top. And that didn't stop with, you know, the party. And it was the music to the musicians. Man, you had some amazing guitarists, <laughs> amazing drummers. And... I remember we, we'd go uh, see them live and you'd look forward to the guitar solo or the drum solo. It was fucking badass. But back then, everyone had a good stage show. Everybody did. And, yeah. you know, not a lot of bands do that now. No. Which is okay, but if they have the music to back it up, that's cool. Yeah, I know. And I agree because, you know, in the 80s, you looked forward to going to the concert because you're like, okay, what am I going to see on the stage tonight? You know, what are they going to bring? And, and all 
I'll use this as an example. Every time I went to see Iron Maiden, I'm like, what Eddie shenanigans are going to go on tonight? Right. And another good one from the 80s that had a great stage show was Mr. Ronnie James Dio. Oh, definitely. He always brought it with some kind of pyrotechnic. Fucking 50-foot dragon in the background. Right. Something. Right. He, he had that whip that would glow in the dark. Yeah. He was fucking badass. Right. He, oh, God bless his soul. He was. Ronnie James Dio was a badass. And you, you know what I love about Ronnie James Dio is I, I'd seen some interviews with him and the man loved his beer. He would always have a dark beer. Yep. I I saw the same thing whenever he was interviewed and he'd offer you one. Right. I mean, he was... He seemed like such a down-to-earth person where a lot of these musicians, I guess it went to their head and they were fucking dicks or whatever. Right. Well, the fame and fortune. Like right. That. I'm above you now. And a lot of those who are above people, where are they now? That's right. And, you know, it's funny because I, I see, like, uh, fans post interviews and shit. Like, they see bands on the street. And whenever they see Vince Neil, Vince Neil always stops and talks to them and... Hey, and to me, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool because you know what? Without the fans, they wouldn't be where they got. Exactly. You know? It's the fans that lifted you up and, and put the money in your pocket. Okay, aside from Motley Crue and Rat, what was another one of your favorite 80 bands? Okay, one of my favorite 80 bands, it would have to be Dokken. And I say Dokken and not so much for Don Dokken. For George Lynch. For George Lynch. But they're another one of those bands. They just had that combination. They did. And once they started breaking up, they lost it. Right. I mean, George Lynch experienced some... Uh some some good some good things with Lynch Mob, but it, it wasn't the perfect combination. That's why he kept changing the lineup. That's right. Same with uh, Don Dawkin. He went back to the music he made with George Lynch, yes. and they they wrote that. Now. I just thought George Lynch was such a phenomenal guitarist that yes. I would watch all his instructional videos and I would play Mr. Scary over that and over. That is fucking badass. And I'm like, and then even on their first album, you know, Breaking the Chains, I, I would listen and I'm like, damn, this, this, the tone he would get, the, the yes. echo, the reverb, and his setup, I was like, man, this guy is just amazing. I saw an old video when they were first getting their start and it's funny because a lot of these bands were flocking to LA and they, they formed and they moved to Germany uh, I guess Don Dokken wanted to try something different I don't know but they were like on a German kind of American bandstand Right. they were all young kids and uh, I, I, I can't even remember the song but it was pretty cool yeah he, he probably thought well because the German explosion was happening if we go to Germany they'll think we're a German band and they'll give us a listen to eh and well, or they'll think oh one of the American rock and roll bands right. there you, it could be the same Just, I, I, I'm sure in Germany it's the same because in the 80s they had the remember the Moscow Music Peace Festival right. those people poured in to see these 80s bands of course I mean but uh, like, like in Japan even now 80s music still really popular 80s music still popular here man right but eh, it all depends on who you talk to yeah I mean yeah it's 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 the little uh I guess you want to say kind of cult followings now. Right. And it's cool because, like, we go to a lot of these 80s bands. They still come to New Mexico. And it's awesome because we could see them. These bands that we saw in the 80s in the big arenas, we could see them in smaller venues, which yeah. is great. And, I, I prefer and, the smaller venues. Right. And uh, we see a lot of the crowds our age. Yeah. But you do see the young kids coming out to see that. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, they hear the albums. And, of course, some of these young kids 
through mom and dad. Right. Here's like my kids. Here's the old albums, and they're like, holy shit, that's that's some badass hard rocking music, you know? Yep. I remember uh, whenever my kids were small, we'd be cruising, and I'd jam Motley, rap, whatever, LA Guns, and tell them, this is this band, this is whoever, and... And then I'd quiz them. Who is this? Yeah. i get educated. All right. Yeah, I know, but we had some great bands in the 80s. So on that note, another one of my favorite bands, and they weren't a popular band, but it's their tone. And because I wanted to be a guitar player in a rock band, I would listen predominantly to bands that had like heavy, thick, dark guitar. Yes. And uh, they did couple cover tunes but it was a band called Rough Cut Rough Cut I remember them and to me that album had such a phenomenal guitar sound you know especially when they did A Piece of My Heart yes by Janis Joplin that song I'm like damn they they killed it yep but they didn't they didn't get the credit that, right. des- that I thought they deserved. There was so many 80s bands that I thought were great, but they, like you said, they didn't get the, the credit because, uh, man, bands like Motley Crue, Rat, and Dawkins, they dominated the airwaves. Of course. They, they dominated MTV when MTV was about music. That's because they, the, they were the ones that opened the floodgates. Right, right. Because uh, let's see, what's another good band? Um, well, a band that's near and dear to my brother and I is... Uh, Randy Castillo and uh, what was the first band? <laughs> oh, the Rand, uh, Stone Fury. Stone Fury. Yeah. To me, they were awesome. Right. Awesome. Right. And 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 of course, everyone says, "Oh, Led Zeppelin wannabes." I don't give a fuck. No. They were badass. They were good. They were really good. And and that they're, you know, we love them because Randy Castillo was a New Mexico boy. That's right. Right here from Albuquerque, New and Mexico. Even Spent some time with Motley Crue for their new tattoo album. Yes, he did. He played in he played in Ozzy, Ozzy, at different bands. You know, he was he, a great drummer. Yeah, he was, and uh, he put New Mexico on the map. Right. I used to love going to. We have the Isleta Casino, and when you go into the, I don't know what it's called, the concert hall, they have like a, a glass display with one of his drum kits and the albums he's been on and stuff. And I don't know if they still have it, but I thought that yeah. was pretty damn cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So yeah, God bless Randy. Castillo. Okay, so now that we're talking about that, I'm going to take us back a bit because there was one band when I was in high school that I had to go back and learn about, and it was uh, Black Sabbath. All right. When when Mob Rules came out, uh, you know, I thought, well, this is their first album, and and that was with Dio. And right, that that was before, that was after the whole Ozzy era. Yes. So I had to go back and find out really who Black Sabbath was and educate right. myself. But and, and I I did too because. Uh, when Ozzy went solo, I'm like, man, this motherfucker's great. Right. I didn't know he was in Black Sabbath, like you said, until you somebody told you. Then you're like, what? Let me go back and check this out. Yeah, you're like, oh, let me go back and listen to every fucking Black Sabbath album there right. is. And yeah, and I saw the progression with Ozzy, and they made some great music. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm going to say those guys were the pioneers that started it all, you know. Of course, but they're more in the 70s era. Right, right. But they did influence a lot of the... 80s bands. Of course, of course, every decade is influenced by the decade before. Right. Or a lot of these good musicians that are really knowledgeable.
knowledgeable. They're even influenced by people older than that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, they listen to maybe some of the old blues players and exactly. And, and, and blues is what sprung rock and roll. Of course, of course. Well, speaking of blues, I watched a documentary on Amazon, and it it's called Indians That Rock the World. Mm-hmm. And that takes you back to the Louisiana Delta and some of the tribes there. And, uh, you know, people are like, tribes in Louisiana, you know, that that was black people. Well, you know, some of them mixed in with the natives, right. I suppose. Right. But they covered Randy Castillo. And if you, if you guys get a chance, check that documentary out. And it's going to take you how, like you said, the blues influenced rock and roll today. Yes. And uh, I just thought it was interesting. Speaking of uh, blues and stuff, one of my favorite movies, Crossroads. Oh, yes. Mr. Steve Vai. Yes, that's another one. And I've seen him on some interviews recently on YouTube. And he's aged. He's matured. And he's he's still, he's a technical player. Right. He's... He's well educated. He's a very smart person. Yeah. He's uh, but he is amazing. Still a badass on guitar. Yep. You see him up on stage back in the day with his long hair, just jamming away, and you think when they do an interview, he's gonna be like, "Hey, dude, no. not at all. He's no. a smart dude, very educated, very well spoken." Right. Yeah. No. He's very impressive. And he, like you said, he's technical. He's kind of by the book. He he knows the guitar ins and outs, just like Paul Gilbert. Of course. Mr. Paul Gilbert, another great guitarist, who, of course, in the 80s, was Mr. Big. Yes, Racer X. Racer X, yep. Yes. And let's not forget the band that crossed the pond, not the Beatles. The Beatles did it for another generation. But this band that crossed the pond when I was in high school oh, yeah. fucking blew me away. Blew Death us all away. Leopard. Yeah. Man, those guys, even today, I've seen them numerous times too. Yes. And they're phenomenal musicians. And, yes. and there again, the original band with High and Dry, that, that whole fucking album from the opening to the ending is just like one kick-ass album. Yes, uh, yes. And it was, it was strange because when their first album came out, uh, On Through the Night, they were just young kids. Yeah, and, and I, after I heard High and Dry, I was like, who are these guys? And I went back and bought On Through the Night, and it still had some good, hard-punching songs. Right. I was, I was like, well, why didn't I hear about this album first? Right, right. You know? Um on Through the Night was good. They were just getting their start. Right. High and Dry was fucking phenomenal. Right. But a, a lot of people argue that what broke them in America was uh, Pyromania, uh, the song uh, Too Late for Love. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. No, no. no. So so am I. That's But that's what really got them the radio play. Oh, of course. But, but they're already selling out arenas and albums with High and Dry. Well, not only that, if you remember when they came through Albuquerque, they were opening and uh, the the headlining band got booed. Right. Because yeah. they wanted Def Leppard. Like, we want to see more Def Leppard, man. They were fucking bad. And they, they still are badass. But yeah, I'm going to disagree with it that the Pyromania broke them. Now, the Pyromania was their most successful album. My, mainstream. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if there's most successful. Well, I would say that because it got got them on the it radio. It broke them. It broke yeah. them. But I, was, I would think that one of the ones that really... 
you know, cement them as a big band was Hysteria. Right. Because after, you know, it took five years to make or more, and there was just... I think that was like their life's work because yeah. they had some great tunes like the song Hysteria yeah. that's just the guitar work the well, lyrics the, the whole album you're right Hysteria that's as far as musician wise that's where they matured right that's that was their uh what are the, their rite of passage right that was the, the pinnacle where they just yeah. hit it and just what they went through to get there because that's when Rick Allen had his accident and lost his arm right and uh, man you gotta give those guys kudos because they could have got another drummer easy they could have but there it was like we're doing this with him not without him right and of course they said they made him audition again which uh, that's cool but you know come when it all comes down to it they were a tight knit band and they knew where the magic was right yeah and and you're right hysteria is a good one speaking of hysteria uh the song love bites you know that that was supposed to be a country song really yep wow that that was written for country but they took it and uh i do believe if i remember right mutt lang who was a producer right he wrote it for his wife shania twain oh okay and it didn't work out so they said well let us have a go at it so they took that song which was meant to be a country song and turned it into a pop rock song wow and it worked out it great worked for out them. for them yeah because that song is badass song too yep and yeah you you hear people there a lot of people will say oh yeah i know def leppard love bites and yeah yeah and, and of course their tour to support that album was it was phenomenal and it's still historical because they were the first band to put the stage in the middle of the arena that's right in the round and and I saw them here in Albuquerque. Did you see them for that tour? I did. Who opened up one of the another great eighties band? Uh, Tesla. 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 And I saw them in Virginia for that. Okay. I, I was still in the military. And uh, well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I don't think they were the first band to do it in the round. I think Rod Stewart was. Well, rock. Well, okay, rock. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, that was, Rod okay. Stewart don't count. No, Rod Stewart. He's a great artist. No, he is. But and we're he talking just 80s that voice, rock, right? You know? But. Uh, we're not going to get into do you think I'm sexy right well I'll talk about that later when I go to the bar but that's right that's a whole different yeah. podcast wake up Maggie <laughs> I think I got something to say to you no I think I got something to show you <laughs> yeah there you go so wake the fuck up but anyway I saw them with their stage in the center and that just fucking blew me away you're right I did I never seen anything like that and I was like man where where did these guys think of that you yeah know? and they're their laser show, their light show was on point. And Tesla, they're another band where their first album just exploded. Oh, my God. I, I remember coming home from school and seeing Modern Day Cowboy. Yes. I was like, whoa, what what the hell? That video was... I, I saw it one night, I believe, on Headbangers Ball. Right. And I was like... They caught my attention. Right, that, that. I, I, the next day, I went to the music store. I think uh, we were living in Gallup at the time. We were both young. That's where we grew up. Right. Uh, it was we had Record Bar, I believe. Though that's what it was. I, yep, I, I went in there and they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> You're like and, who? Yeah, and then luckily my cousin worked there. A few weeks later, they're like, "Hey, you remember that band you came and asked about? We got the album." You're so like, of course I went and bought it right away. Of course. Away. And on that modern day cowboy it was that guitar lick yeah that opening guitar lick just grabs you you know tesla is one of my favorite bands but to this day that album uh, mechanical resonance is one of my favorite yeah 
Yeah, I, I got to agree. I got to agree. Well, you know, we've taken up enough of your time. We hope you enjoyed us talking about the 80s music. And, and we haven't even scratched the surface. I know, you know, and this is what we love. So, you know, maybe later we'll do another episode with 80s music because we could go on and on and right. on. And drop us a line. Tell us. I know we've left out so many, so, so many, but tell us who's your favorite band. Right. And, and I'm sure we remember them. We'll, we'll talk about them. Right. And you can tell us by emailing us and you can email us at late night with Larry 55 at gmail.com that's all one word late night with Larry 55 so we look forward to hearing from you and we hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about the 80s yes rock and roll you rock guys have a good one rock and roll baby <laughs> <laughs>